this. This, this is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, what's up? Uh, well, I don't know, Tom. <laughs> um, I tried to... This is, I don't know, maybe relatable, maybe not. I tried to avoid using cutting board because I wanted to avoid using dishes because all I was doing was cutting like a little bit of salad stuff and I had cherry tomatoes. So I was like, okay, well, I'll just cut those in half when I could easily just toss those in. I think this was a point I was like, if you're not using a cutting board, just toss those cherry tomatoes, just have big bites of tomatoes. Cut my thumb on like the last cherry mm-hmm. tomato because I'm trying to hold it like an idiot and cut. <laughs> Through. Oh no! I don't know if that's relatable to anybody, but once in a while, I am like, ah, do I want to, you know, like use a whole cutting board just to cut up like a cherry tomato and a little bit of like bell pepper or something? I should have though. I should have. Mm-hmm. That's not a safe, not a safe way to prepare a salad. No, it sure isn't. And I'm glad you're okay. Glad you could do the podcast. I um, live. Yeah. How, how are you feeling? You feel like you're going to be able to watch the game on Sunday? Yeah, I think I'll, I think I'll be okay. I think you're good. That's good. No, those are the. I words. have till four. Maybe if it was a one o'clock, or we'd be pushing it with the with the injury. But Mike is Mike isn't even limited. He's going full go. He's at pra- he's at practice today. Practice podcast recording. So good to have you on here. Glad your hand your finger's going to be okay. Uh, but those are the worst because they just sting until they're. Oh yeah, I I mean, one I was cutting tomatoes before, so there was acid on the knife. Two, it was a serrated knife, and I felt it, and I went, "Oh!" Ooh. I thought it would be worse, though. I barely, barely bled. I think I, I dodged a bullet knife-wise. I didn't. I wasn't using like some super sharp thing. I was just using like a little steak knife. That probably also didn't help me. Well, that sounds painful. Sorry about that. And uh, the thing is, we're recording this podcast on a Tuesday. It's by by week is over. The Cincinnati Bengals, they had a walkthrough on Monday. They'll get back to practice tomorrow. When you're listening to this podcast, a lot of practice this afternoon. We'll hear from head coach Zach Taylor and quarterback Joe Burrow. But it's kind of a unique situation because the 49ers, their opponent, played on Monday Night Football. And I don't want to give too much of a preview or, you know, looking ahead, what's going to happen in the game. I'll have that on Thursday's podcast. But I want to just kind of focus on things that you noticed in that 49ers game, because you go back to a week ago from Sunday, they played the Browns in a game where they were without a couple of players in the second half and their field goal kicker or their kicker missed a field goal. Um, lose that game, and then you you think they're going to have a bounce-back game against the Minnesota Vikings, and they dropped what I thought was a really good game and a well-coached game by the Vikings, to be completely honest with you. Uh, they were without Trent Williams, one of their, if not best, players on the team outside of Christian McCaffrey, and uh, Debo Samuel was out, and he is expected to be out for the, the Bengals game. What did you take away from that game when you think about Brock Purdy, the quarterback play, kind of the matchup going into Sunday? Uh, I think the first thing is they definitely missed Trent Williams. It felt like the Vikings were able to hold their own up front. And I don't know. It just feels so much easier when you can rely on a guy. He's going to get his movement. You could leave him on an island, help everybody else, et cetera. Like one of the best left tackles, probably the best left tackle in the league. Um, Because I was watching him against Dallas. I'm like, goodness, very one-sided matchup against Micah Parsons, which is like, that's 
super impressive. I don't know if there's anybody else that really does that to him. And then he held his own against Miles Garrett, although Garrett did get him a couple times. Uh, and then the run game, he's just his own beast. Or he, nobody else does what he does uh, when it comes to that. So I think that'll be a big one. Do we have early injury report? Did he practice, not practice? So they're probably not going to be on the practice field today as we're recording. This oh, right, because they're a Monday night game. Yep. Monday night game. And then players normally have the Tuesday off unless you're playing on Thursday night mm -hmm. football. So uh, no practice today for the 49ers. We'll really kind of get a feel and they might go light just because of a short week uh, when it comes to their Wednesday practice and kind of what an, uh, a walkthrough to be determined. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they were just taking it easy with them too, if he's limited at practice and then he goes on game day or he's doesn't practice and he goes on game day. Um, it's obviously a short turnaround for them, but he didn't play at all Monday night football. So maybe that's the difference maker when you have them here or they, they wait until the bye because this is their yeah. last game until the bye. Yeah. Um, Debo also, I mean, I, I didn't, I think they do miss him just in terms of getting easy, cheap yardage, like toss it to him, let him get yak and, or hand it off to him, do some funky stuff in the backfield. Uh, but felt like they definitely missed Trent. And then, Back-to-back -back weeks, they've played against a defense that wants to play fast, and they want to play aggressive, and they want to move and slant and blitz and everything else. And they didn't handle it all that well, especially in the run game. It felt like the run game both weeks, uh, the Browns and the Vikings were able to hold their own. And I think a lot of that comes from both those teams are about let's get penetration, let's disrupt plays that way and let's not worry about as much about you know being gap sound and uh playing too high etc my problem with that is the Bengals are definitely on the latter end where they like to play things a little bit slower and you know lock guys out and then shed and make the tackle instead of get penetration and then try to make the play or any penetration is good penetration they're not really firm believers in that you can see why I mean that was a Larry Ogunjobi role, and then they let him go for B.J. Hill, who's on the opposite end. They've always been kind of a let's slow play this, and we'll make stops in the run game and be sound. So that'll be interesting to see if they can still do what the Browns and the Vikings did when it came to the run game because the way that you can kind of limit a Brock Purdy-Kyle Shanahan offense is to get them off schedule. I think that's the biggest thing is you want to get them off schedule. That's what the Vikings did. That's what the Browns did. They made them get into second and long, get into third and long. And they don't really want to be in those situations, which we've actually talked about before of like, if every team could, they would absolutely do their best to have a Kyle Shanahan script and neutral game script and especially positive game script. But Kyle Shanahan, the drawback to everything he does is that his dropback passing game and his quarterback aren't exactly able to get them out of those situations a lot of times. Unlike the Chiefs, who they can get in the third and long and it doesn't matter. When yeah. the 49ers get in the third and long, maybe there's like a fun, drawn-up play, but overall it feels like it really limits their offense, uh, and that's quarterback play call scheme all related and that's one thing that the Bengals before this year is like they kind of could be like the Chiefs a little bit of like ah, third and long like yeah we can get out of this like that's that's not the end of the world mm -hmm. um and that's one reason why you do want the scheme the Bengals have versus 
trying to just limit the quarterback's importance and put it all into the scheme instead. Um, but all that said, uh, that's easier said than done. You know, like there's a, they're one of the best screen teams. They have a good run game and they have really impressive running backs. They have really impressive tight end, George Kittle. They have great blocking from their wide receivers. And then if you have Trent Williams in there, you have a dominant chess piece that can move around and use in different ways in the run game as well. So it'll be interesting because I think that's kind of like the key to the game partway is just can the Bengals defense keep the 49ers offense off schedule? Like, can you get them into second and third and long and make them try to drop back, no play action to mess with anybody and drop back pass the ball that'll be interesting to see if they can do that because that's to me i think the biggest thing what the vikings and browns did yeah and you, and you want to see and it's hard to compare the vikings offensive line to the cincinnati Bengals, but you know going against that d line and then obviously fred warner who's probably the best linebacker in the nfl um he's mm-hmm. a tough guy their corners their secondary i feel like that's a matchup where jamar chase is going to be very familiar with their secondary um obviously former kansas city chief uh who everybody remembers that famous game at at paycor stadium when he went off and i know he did kind of get his number a little bit in the afc championship game but overall you know that matchup in the secondary you if you're zach taylor you're watching it you're thinking hmm we can't throw the ball we, we might want to throw the ball against this team and and getting an early lead is what brock purdy over the last few games he seems to struggle with in the fourth quarter um, if, you, if you're leading in this game, I mean, he and of course, when he's missing one of his best players on the offensive line, that's going to show. And it did show last night. I think that's going to be the biggest thing here. You can't start out slow. Cincinnati Bengals have to be aggressive on offense and and all their team and all their playmakers have to step up, including Joe Burrow. You want to see more out of him. Um, just seeing a little bit of the walkthrough on Monday. He looked mobile moving around like we've seen over the last few weeks. We'll really get to see when they return to practice on Wednesday and Thursday afternoon. But. Joe has to step up and everyone else on the team. And there are a few players that, you know, you, you want to see more out of not named Jamar Chase. Yeah. Um, he didn't even mention it too much, but I feel like the biggest thing, yes, you could throw it up and I think you could trust Jamar Chase against Traverius Ward and hopefully T Higgins is healthy that you can trust him in situations that might be more 50, 50 balls than they are separation and 100% completions. Uh, to me, the biggest thing is protection and the Vikings were able to hold up at least a bit, the, the Browns didn't matter. Their offense wasn't really good against the 49ers. So they did an okay job. But when you look at the Vikings game, it's like, yeah, they were able to pass the ball a lot, and they held up. They held up quite a bit um, in the pa- in pass blocking. And that's the biggest thing with Nick Bosa and Javon Hargrave and all these other guys on this 49ers front, Arik Armstead. Can you hold up in the pass protection department to give your quarterback a chance to work the ball down the field because the secondary is a tiny bit suspect. If you're going to point to something on that defense as like, that's what I would attack. But yeah, we're getting real into the weeds of the 49ers. It's so hard when they play a Monday night football game or recording on a Tuesday, it's been a bye week. We're looking at the matchup, but uh, yeah, preview prediction, all of that's going to happen later on Thursday. And for the thing for the Cincinnati Bengals, I think is huge is Orlando Brown jr. um, Said he should be good to go on Sunday. He didn't practice. They did have a very light walkthrough. So that makes total sense. Zach Taylor and the staff, they usually like to manage injuries throughout the week. And and we saw that, but uh, he did talk to the media and and it sounds like he's going to be good to go. And you want 
Orlando Brown Jr., I would say, to be out there mm -hmm. for this matchup when you think of that, that line. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And Joe Burrow, you know, kind of getting back into what we what we saw in the last game against the Seattle Seahawks and, and going forward, the biggest topic of conversation, I know we've talked about it when it comes to going under center, shotgun, what are we going to see, something, you know, what does he look comfortable with, are they going to change it up, and it really doesn't feel like they're going to change a whole lot with their offensive side of the ball, but it sort of feels like he's going to go under center a little bit going forward. We'll see. I'm not as optimistic that this is just like, ah, that's how you fix the uh, – just because I remember last year and the under center game sucked. Like there's a big reason why they moved to shot. It's not like once Burrow got here, all they did was run shotgun. They ran a lot of under center his rookie year. They ran a lot of under center two years ago on the way to the Super Bowl. And then they started to last year, and teams kind of caught on. When you go to the Super Bowl, you get looked at a little bit more. They looked at the tendencies. They're like, this team basically just runs under center and they don't have a good play action game under center and joe burrow isn't a great drop or a turn around turn around and play fake uh from under center so they kind of just started nailing down on everything when they got under center and that's why the offense stunk a little bit the first four weeks that's why they changed it but maybe they have a plan for how this could work better, or maybe they have a more effective play action attack going to come from this. I don't know. I, I was a proponent though of let's try to make the shotgun thing work. And if that doesn't, and if you really want to hide your tendencies, get more into pistol rather than get under center, but the pistol stuff wasn't working. I don't think that was the pistol's fault. I think that was every, the four plays that they ran, they just were taking L's up front more than, they were, you know, oh, the defense knows what's coming when they get in the pistol because they also got some good plays out of it. But we'll see. We'll see. I think a lot of people think this is going to fix everything. Like, this is like, I oh, don't think it's going to fix everything. No. They're so stupid for never going under center. Like, it's like he, he wants to. He tried. It didn't work. Now we're going to bring it back like it's a silver bullet. I don't know. I think guys just need to play better for the most part. I think that's a fair point um, because we've seen it before with Joe Burrell and it just. And there's something about him. I, I, look, every season's different. I hate going back and using 2022 or even 2021 as a comparison to, you know, just starting the season a little bit slow. After the bye, you remember who they played after bye last year? After the bye week. After the bye week. The bye week was, was it Carolina after the bye? No, they played Carolina going into the bye. Going into the bye. Okay. Then it was Pittsburgh, right? It was Pittsburgh. And it really felt like there was that little clip of Joe Burrow on the sideline. And I know the score looked like the game was closer than what it was, but it really felt like Cincinnati was kind of going away in the second half with that game. And Joe Burrow looked over at the camera and he said, we're the big dogs now. And it really felt like I know they wanted to say there were some similarities between the Arizona Cardinals game and how they felt in, in uh, the Saints game last year. And it really felt the turning point for me was kind of coming out of that bye. And yes, they had two dominant performances. When you look at the the Panthers game, you look at the um, the Atlanta game, playing two poor NF NFC teams, but they were able to to go against an AFC North team and the Pittsburgh Steelers and kind of bounce back up after the bye, and continue was a little bit of a um, um, I don't know a, a roll a run for them. But for me personally, I I don't know. I, I'm 
I, maybe it's optimism. Maybe I'm having confidence, but you know, what, what are your expectations kind of coming out of this buy? Yeah. I mean, I have optimism coming out of the buy. I feel like they've been a good team coming out of the buy the past two years. They've been a second half team that usually comes after the buy. Uh, they do a, what seems to me like a good job of self-scouting and changing things up. Um, we'll see. I think this is, probably the least optimistic people have felt about the offense going into the bye week. And this is a big week for, can you get rid of stuff that's not working? Can you, or maybe just tweak it so it does work now, or can you make small changes? Cause you're not going to fully revamp the offense, but can you make small changes that can turn it from a disappointing unit into what we were expecting? Uh, I think that's the biggest thing is if they can make it work after the buy because the defense, I don't think people are really looking at that as like, ah, that needs a lot of changes. It's like defense played pretty well the last two weeks. And I mean, the offense played pretty well two weeks ago and half of this half of last week. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. I, I have some optimism though, coming out of the buy that it'll look better. It'll be interesting to me that the mini buy the Thursday night game, because that's also seen as like a little, not like a real buy, but you know, you get that extra time. That's going to come what in about four weeks against the Ravens. I think yeah. that's also interesting. Like if, if what they tweak this week doesn't get them exactly where they want, can they tweak more things during that mini buy? They usually don't have that late season tune up um, that some other teams get. So that'll be interesting to look at. I, I think that's another one. It's like, okay, can you, tweak things after that game as well because usually look at those two things and I actually kind of like it that they got I mean maybe the bye week is a tiny bit early felt like it came at the right time for them Mm -hmm. Uh, but I kind of like the late season tune-up more than I like an early season uh Thursday night game mini bye um, players have talked about that before with that mini buy on Thursday night football. And it does feel like it's kind of spaced out perfectly for the Cincinnati Bengals. I agree with you. I think this buy came at the perfect time. You know, I know we haven't really had a calf update percentage wise on Joe Burrow, but man, it really feels like he's at the finish line because it doesn't really get brought up anymore. And I know, you know, a lot of the the pro football Twitter doctor said if he could make it to November without any setbacks, then, you know, it's all systems to go. He's, he's good to go. You're ready to move on. So I think this Sunday it, it's going to be, you know, We'll see what this offense looks like. You want to see more out of all, a lot of these guys. We keep saying that, but the AFC North overall, not a lot of room for error because we haven't, we haven't recorded a podcast since um, all of the outcomes of the games over the weekend. And you look at it now and they're the only division in football with 500 record or better. And it's a tough, it's a tough division. We knew that going in. The Ravens are playing elite at the top of the AFC North. The Steelers have a really good defense. The Browns have a good defense and a little bit of luck on their side um, over the last two games. So this game is is absolutely huge for them if you want to stay in at least the AFC North race. I know it still could feel a little bit early in the season, but just not a lot of room for error. And you want to want to start to stack up, you know, a nice little win streak. And I think, you know, to do that, a lot of teams around the league, you can look at the Philadelphia Eagles, who are six and one, not comparing the Cincinnati Bengals to them. And they're obviously just coming out of the uh, the Super Bowl as the NFC contender. But overall, they're aggressive. Their front office is aggressive. A lot of people look at the Cincinnati Bengals front office and during end season stuff when it comes to trades, they don't make those. Um, the trade deadline is a week from today outside of tight end and running back, because I feel like we've exhausted that topic. What could you see the Cincinnati Bengals doing if they did? I don't see it happening until Monday. 
Monday. Uh, okay, next week, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, more past Monday. <laughs> I was just thinking, early week. Well, today's Tuesday. <laughs> well, it's coming out Wednesday, so we're not going to be talking about that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, the Titans, if it's a fire sale, they've got a few guys. I'd be looking interior of the defensive line, and that's technically a starter on base downs. You want a guy that can play a little bit of three technique there, but especially give guys what the backups have been really disappointing. And do they just roll with those guys? That's what I expect. I think they're just going to roll with those guys um, and try to live through the 15 snaps a game that the starters aren't going to play. But I would feel better if they had a guy that they could bring in and you go, okay, like, cool. Take your time, BJ, DJ. Like, take your time to catch your breath. You don't need to get back out there right now. Um, and the point of the Titans, because they just traded Kevin Byard for mostly a bag of peanuts. Um, they've got good players. I think people get overly excited about this. I think every time somebody ever tags me in an idea, it's like for the stars of teams. And Kevin Byard was an all-pro, I think, maybe two years ago. Um, and he's still a really good player. That kind of happened because Kevin Byard, I'm not make sure on his age, but yeah, he's 30. If you he's past 30, he's on a big deal. Um, so when people point to like Chig Aconquo, no, that's a rookie, like a late pick rookie. They're not gonna trade that, it's gonna cost too much. Look at Jeffrey Simmons, franchise player. They're I would be shocked if they traded him because he's still in his 20s. But Danico Autry, he's past 30. He's really good. Um, I don't know. So he he's more of a base down end, but he plays a lot of on the inside on uh, passing downs. Like he lives on the inside on passing downs. So I wonder if maybe you could project like let's just – you know, let's get him because we really would love a new interior pass rusher. He would be the second best pass rusher on the Bengals, full stop, like right after Trey Hendrickson. And I think he is with the Titans as well. Uh, really good player. He can play inside and outside. Uh, the only thought would be, can he play inside on some rundowns? Because that's one of the biggest needs of the team is for those backup minutes. Can he come in and steal some of those from Zach Carter? Probably not Tupo. They don't really have a backup nose tackle. But the other guy that Titans I look at was Tyre Tart, who can play nose tackle. So if you're going to look for a guy that maybe just steals some Josh Tupo snaps and gives DJ Reader bigger breaks, that would be who I'd look at. Was that would be Tart? Um, not a ton of exciting defensive tackle options like in the last year of their deal, though. I mean, you could look at like Andrew Billings reunion. He's been really good for Chicago. Yeah. Uh, that's one. Um, I think there was another one I liked at one point, but I can't think of it right now. Uh, but yeah, like guys in the last year of their deal and it's going to cost a little bit of money. It's going to cost a little bit of draft capital. Can you get those guys just to replace Tupo Carter minutes? Uh, because look, they, that would be one of my biggest concerns going forward would be the 15, sometimes even 20 snaps that those guys have to play because the, the defense, the difference between the run defense when the starters are in versus the backups is stark. You know, there's a big difference. Kenneth Walker's biggest runs 
came when it was BJ and DJ getting their rest. And they need rest. Like, they can't just play 100% of snaps. They're too big. They're too big of guys. Honestly, Sam Hubbard's playing too many snaps. Trey Hendrickson did a good job actually pulling himself out of that game. But they have so many edge players. And that's one thing with Autry is, like, yeah. The one issue would be, like, you've got so many edges, like defensive ends, outside linebacker types, that maybe that's why it doesn't make sense to trade for them. That's why I think, like, you maybe have to do a little bit of projection of, like, hey, let's just put him inside on some of these rundowns yeah. instead of forcing him to be a base down edge because he can play inside on pass downs a lot. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't really look at defensive end help. I'd look on the interior. That would be the main place I would be looking around the league for help because it feels like they are fine most other places. And if you're going to point to like Nick Scott, which sure, fine. They could upgrade at safety. They probably are going to, if they make that change, it'll be the Jordan battle. It's not going to be to go make a trade for a Kevin Byard type. Um, most of the guys they have aren't really stop gaps. So they're kind of like set in stone players too. And then, yeah, also with corners, like you could look at like, well, what if Cheeto doesn't get healthy? Well, they've got DJ Turner. <laughs> they feel pretty good about that. Wide receiver, what if T's not healthy? You know, like they they feel pretty good about their wide receiver room. They do. We talk a lot about tight end running back. And though, I guess the one glaring one that they could make a trade would be left guard. I just don't yes. expect it whatsoever. I don't either. I don't either. I think other teams might do it. And I'm not here to say like, oh, Bengals, they're not thinking outside of the box. I need to do this. They're, they've done a lot over the last three to four years that have really changed what how they, they think as a front office. And they just paid their franchise quarterback uh, the most money in the NFL. But, but overall, and they've been active in free agency. When it comes to end-season trades, meaningful ones, they just don't do it. And I I'm kind of I'm kind of for it. I I I I don't think they're gonna go and go crazy like you said. Some of these young guys, people who are on rookie deals, they're not gonna go out and get get one of those guys on another team. And those half those teams don't want to get rid of those guys because they're the future. They're still rebuilding on their team, and they expect them to play out their rookie year, rookie deal on their contract with that team. But I think you know you bring up a really good point when you look over at the Tennessee Titans because I feel like they're kind of in that role of like, look, we should just. We should just go ahead and sell. We should keep it's, selling. It's, a, it's like a changing of the like. You don't even have to think of it as like we stink. Let's sell. It's Ryan Tannehill got hurt, and now you're kind of looking at the team like we kind of need to move to the next phase of the Tennessee Titans. You know, like Jeffrey Simmons will still be there, Chica Conkle will still be there, and you know, like Traylon Burks, they'll all still be there. But when you look at the guys that are older, like Kevin Byard was, like Danico Autry, like. Derrick Henry, really. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, maybe, even though he just signed there this year. You look at some of the older guys and you're like, we're probably not competing this season. Uh, yeah. you know, like, let's move to get some youth, get youth some playing time. Maybe somebody could even, maybe the Jets for somebody. Uh, he's not healthy, though. I was like, maybe they could even trade for Ryan Tannehill because <laughs> I think that might be, like, if, if they were asked, like, would you be willing to move on? Like, maybe, but because everybody talked about Kirk Cousins to the Jets type of idea, but I mean, I think Tannehill to the Jets would also be pretty, pretty good for them, get them into the playoff hunt uh, just because the quarterback's been such an issue. But yeah, I think it's just like moving from one era to the next. Like it really did feel like the divisional round against the Bengals two years ago was kind of the window shutting on that Tennessee Titans team. 
kind of like in 2015, the window shut on that Bengals team. Mm -hmm. And then the Bengals held on to some of those guys. And maybe you look back and you're like, maybe they shouldn't have. And maybe the Titans are looking at that. Like maybe, yeah. maybe we don't want to be the 2016, 2017, 2018 Bengals where, you know, maybe fans are happy that those guys are still there, but they end up not getting anything for them when they could have. You mentioned, obviously, I don't think anything is going to happen. Um, and look, I'd like to be surprised. Um, I should say like a 10% chance. I think something something would happen um, and they would trade for a player. But I do think that they like their depth in a lot of areas. Uh, when you mentioned Jeffrey Simmons, which I, again, I agree, he's going to stay with the Titans. Could you imagine him and Ted Karras at practice together? <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. I think, really I think NFL players are all professionals for the most part. No, no, they but, are, but I, but I would love it. I would absolutely it would love it. Yeah. I, I'd like a, I think if Bengal social media was up on it, I would love like a Ted Karras meets him at the airport type of thing. <laughs> like, welcome to the Bengals. They would though. Uh, which I guess you could do. I mean, I don't think they've fought Autry as, as much. Like Jeff Simmons has kind of been the big, the big villain of that rivalry. Um, but maybe you do it with Alex Kappa and Autry since he kind of choked him <laughs> in the game. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's – I wonder if the Titans GM, though, kind of feels like he's like, I don't want to send them to the Bengals. You know, like they bounced Bye. us, you know, like they're upset about it type of thing. But at the same time, I think that's something that fans feel more than anything else. Mm -hmm. I think that's something – like the Titans GM would probably be fine with it. You, you see in, interdivision trades a lot. So if you're willing to trade with the Ravens or the Browns or the Steelers, then you're probably willing to, you know, or if the Titans on the other hand are willing to trade with the Colts, Jags, Texans, they're probably willing to trade with the Bengals. Yeah. 100%. We'll see again. Uh, by the time this podcast podcast does come out Wednesday morning, we'll be less than a week away from the NFL trade deadline. Normally um, I feel like over the last year or so in the NFL, it, it's, it's been kind of fun and I, other teams have been pretty active, but for the Cincinnati Bengals, I just don't know if it's going to happen. I, again, I believe they believe in their depth right now. Um, you've been busy during the bye week. What do you have up on all Bengals? I'm going to say that. Have you been busy? What's up there from last week? Playing a lot of Spider-Man. I beat it. Um, last week, I got my article in on the goal line stand. The two low red zone stands, whatever you want to call them. But they won the game for them. I think I will have a 49ers preview. Um, and it could be as simple as a Trent Williams look, which maybe I shouldn't do because he could miss the game. But <laughs> Maybe um, you should do it. Just yeah. Uh, or maybe they'll just be looking at, you know, like they talk about with the Vikings and the Browns playing fast against them and how that really hurt their run game. And what the Bengals need to do to take from that, even if they're not going to play fast, they need to be able to be good on screens, et cetera. I think I'll have something. I, that's where I am. Where I think it'll be something up there if it's a player look, which I've done before, or if it's look really like a look at like, something the Bengals might want to take from teams that have beaten the 49ers. Because the 49ers are a really good team. Let's not underestimate them because they lost on Monday Night Football. I feel like this happens sometimes where a team just loses a game. Not even bad. They just lose the game. And then you yeah. think like, ah, you know, like that team beat them. Could We should kill them. It's like, well, you know, the, the transitive property of mathematics doesn't really apply to the NFL that often.
Who said that? The only thing I'm seeing right now is the 49ers are 0-2. This is the worst. We do not want to see a hungry 0-2 team going against the Cincinnati Bengals and what could happen. No, I've seen the opposite. I know the 49ers are a good team. I still think they're – look, I know the Eagles have all the talent in the world, but I for some reason I think the 49ers, they get back in the NFC Championship game this year. I think they're a tough, they're a tough team, and they're playing them at home. After two losses, I'm not counting. I'm not overlooking this game at all. But at the same time, the Cincinnati Bengals, I like them coming out of a bye. They're on a two-game win streak. I know the offense didn't look great after that those first two drives against the Seattle Seahawks, but I truly believe in them. I think they can get it back together. Going to have my preview and prediction on Thursday's pod. You will not be on there, but do you have a, a quick prediction on a Tuesday for what's going to happen in this game? Oh, boy. Uh I think I, I think I would predict a 49ers win, sadly. It'd be close. I think okay. it'd be like I'll even go like 28-27 heartbreaker. Uh, but uh, it's tough. I don't know. I feel very mixed on it. If the Bengals offensive line holds up, I think they win. If they don't, they lose. Like I think that's what it comes down to. And if you ask me today, I think the Bengals offensive line just falls short of what is needed of them. Yeah, because I feel like Nick Bosa has been pretty not the Nick Bosa that I normally see out there. And yeah. I feel like this could be like his, if the offensive line doesn't hold up, it could be kind of his, his bounce back of like, yes, I'm Nick Bosa. And yeah, and you're going to get Javon Hargrave on Cordell Volson on a few snaps. I feel like that might not go well. They have too many guys for you to go like, okay, let's just give help to this guy all the time. It's like, no, they've, they've got Eric Armstead and Javon Hargrave and Nick Bosa and like all these guys that are going to be really good. So that's where I stand right now. I do think Trent Williams could flip that. Like, I'm thinking he plays, but if he doesn't play, I mean, that could turn the other way. Like, then you're looking at, well, maybe Trey Hendrickson just has such a good game against their left tackle that they can't they can't pass the ball. And mm-hmm. that could completely flip it. So, yeah, my prediction on a Tuesday, assuming Trent Williams plays, um, is a 49ers win, although – I don't think that's the end of the season or anything. That's why I so you hope you got the three and three uh, so that you could yeah. absorb one of these losses against one of these really high quality teams. Yeah. I mean, you got to start stacking AFC ones at some point too, in the conference. Um, they're they're yeah, beating teams outside of the NFC West. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see. They, they're doing pretty well against the NFC West right now. So <laughs> the whole entire AFC North, I don't know what it is, but uh, we'll see what happens. I agree with you. Uh, we'll find out more when um, back on the pod on Thursday to see if Trent Williams has been practicing all week, but I think that is, that is a huge game changer in this game uh, to be determined. But we do know that Debo will be out for this game versus the Cincinnati Bengals. Or according to reports, he was he was expected to be out for the Minnesota Vikings and the Bengals game. But uh, one more later this week, you will have more on all Bengals. So fans should go check that out. Make sure you follow along Bengals underscore Sands. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. Thank you for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.